So today we're going to look at uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. That text uh, is in the bulletin, also up on the screens uh, behind me. But before I read that, uh, let me pray. Lord, as we come to you today, we thank you for uh, the beauty of this time of year. We thank you for the color. We thank you for the pointers that we see all around us of uh, who you are, what kind of God you are, but how much you love us by putting us in a world where there is beauty and um, wonder and giving us the ability to see that. So would you bless us today? Lord, we confess that our capacity for uh, seeing uh, good things, pure things, trustworthy things, wonderful things, excellent things, commendable things, honorable things, just things, is at an all-time low. And so would you help us today, we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, Philippians 4, 8, and 9, uh, this is God's Word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you want some peace? <laughs> would, you like, would you like some peace? Right? Um... Hard to come by these days, isn't it? So much disturbing, uh, so many disturbing things going on. And here we are, we've been at this in this pandemic now for almost 13 months. Uh, we look around us and we see anger and bitterness all around us. We are filled with anxiety because we still worry about the sickness. We worry about all the economic uh, disjunction that's gone on. We worry about... Uh, the racial tensions in our country. We worry about the political tensions in our country. We worry about the tensions in our church. It's a lot, isn't it? And so as, as we uh, gather here this morning to think about this, we, we hear these words where a man who is chained to two Roman guards in a Roman prison facing likely martyrdom writes to a church that is a tiny, tiny minority beleaguered and set upon in a city where he comes to them and he says to them, as he said two weeks ago, that uh, to turn to God in prayer and that uh, the peace of God which passes all understanding would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then as he's winding up the end of the epistle, he says, finally, I want you to think about these things. And if you think about these things, then I want you to find models that do these things. And as you find models that do these things, you do them too, and the God of peace will be with you. There's a lot of static on the line, and the challenge that we have today, the hard thing that we have today, is to do something that I think is very difficult for us on a good day, but after a year of the struggles that we've had, I think it's even more difficult to think, to focus, to take our anxiety, which I think is the enemy of our uh, ability to think about these things. Uh, to take our anxiety and put it where it properly belongs so that we can turn our hearts and minds to that which is pure and beautiful and just and commendable and excellent. Hard to do. 
Part of the reason why it's hard to do that is we would rather do the clickbait thing of, of finding the next outrage and being outraged. Because that feels good. That feels like a little bit of life in the midst of a, a year that's been very deadening. Uh, or we, we, we want to find something, uh, you know, one of the things that is really terrible about Twitter is, you know, Twitter doesn't lend itself to thinking. Did you know that? <laughs> uh, it lends itself to a quick one-off and to outrage to get a response to shock. And so probably not the best place to go to, to focus your mind and heart upon uh, something other than that. So what I, what I want to talk to you about today is we could unpack in this, in this text as, as Paul is urging this beleaguered church there to think about what's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Uh, I could go through that and tell you what each one of those things are, but I think, I think you have a sense already of what those things are. Uh, because God has given every one of us the capacity to appreciate and to see beauty to know what is just, to understand and to see what is commendable. Now, sin affects us, and sin blunts our ability often to be able to see that and do that. <clears throat> but we know that, and you know this too, when you see something that's beautiful, you appreciate it. When you see something that's pure, it's, it's stunning to you. When you see justice, you're encouraged. When, when you see what is excellent, it moves you, doesn't it? right? So, so that part of what God made us to be able to do is still there within us. And so what Paul wants the, the church there in Philippi to do is, rather than to be swept up in the anxiety and the fear of persecution and difficulty, he would rather have them think about Jesus, because Jesus is all of these things. He would rather have them think about the way God has made us to be able to appreciate those things and to see Jesus in places that we might not expect to see him. And because one of the things you may think is, well, what Paul's telling them to do here is to read their Bibles. Well, what Bible did they have? Right? They didn't have what you have. They didn't have what I have. They had the Old Testament or maybe parts of the Old Testament. You ever wondered what Abraham's quiet times were like? Anyway, just that's, that's, a, that's a rabbit trail. I, I don't want to run down. I've thought about that, what that must have been like. Uh, you think God showed up and talked to him all the time, but he only did that about every 25 years, so, which would have driven me crazy. But, uh, but the fact is... Uh, what he's challenging them to do is to, he takes these words, and these words that he use here for pure and just and commendable and excellent are words that are in common usage in the culture. But what he wants them to do is to take those words and to look at those words and to seek Jesus through those things. I'll give you a great example of that. Uh, it's been so hard for me to be encouraged. I was talking to somebody this, this week who as reads my letters, watches the sermons on live stream, um, two time zones away. And he said, you're finally getting a little bit of encouragement, aren't you? And I'm like, well, don't be deceived. Uh, I was at a, a meeting yesterday talking to another pastor, and he was like, got to love them, but don't like them very much. And so, uh, which I think, <laughs> I thought, Wow, you know, I pray for you and your church this morning. So I know that that's a, he is loving his church, but it's hard, right? 
Things are difficult. We're all on hair trigger to yell at somebody, to be short with somebody, right? Yeah. And so when we are confronted with something that's pure and lovely and just and wonderful, it's, it's, it's hard for us to see that because we would rather turn our attention, give in to our anxiety, our fear, our bitterness, our anger, our fatigue, and we miss so much of the beauty that Jesus brings to us. So uh, Joe and Kevin and I, had a, uh, we, we needed to have a lunch meeting yesterday uh, with a candidate for our youth director position. And so, uh, so I said, I'll make, take care of the reservations. You know, I'm the old guy, I'm the big daddy, I'll, do, I'll make the reservations. And I thought I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I did. And so fortunately, I got to the restaurant well before anybody else was supposed to meet us there. And I'm like, yeah, Shelby, reservation for four for lunch at 1230. And they're like, is your name Connie? <laughs> I know I'm in trouble. And I suddenly it was like, you know, here I am trying to make a good impression on someone we're very interested in. Joe and, and Kevin already know that I'm old and decrepit and disabled when it comes to these sorts of things. And I just looked at the woman and said, I am an old man, I'm sorry. I thought I made the reservation. Here's my phone, but obviously I didn't. I am humiliated. What am I gonna do when they show up? And I'm going to have to say, I thought I made a reservation. We don't have that. We're going to have to go somewhere else to eat lunch. Great, great, great. This is all good. And she just looked at me and she said, Mr. Shelby, come right in. We've got a table for you. And then when we left, they thanked us for coming. I was shocked. I'm like, I haven't been treated this way. You know, most of my interactions with people out in the world these days are like, get out of my way before I kill you. <laughs> right? And so suddenly here was someone who was treating me with kindness and gentleness, with some mercy, with something that was beautiful. And, and I was overcome. I was like, Wow, this feels so strange. And as I walked out of the restaurant, I was like, wow, you know, who would have known that I would encounter and see the goodness of God and be reminded of Jesus Christ by this beleaguered and overworked young woman working at a restaurant in the East End. Amazing. But you see, that's the thing, right? That's what Paul's getting at here is where no matter how dark the world is, no matter how difficult the world is, no matter how challenging things are, these things are true. You are created in the image of God, and God has made you to be captivated by His glory. 
God has made you and I to be captivated by what is beautiful and excellent and true and just and pure. And what happens to us is uh, we, because we have sinned and we have fallen and because our hearts and our minds are often off on other things, we miss that. We are unable to see it. And yet what the Scriptures tell us is, is that the creation, that the, the world that God has made for us is pouring forth praise, pouring forth witness to us about the goodness and the grace of God. And so, so when, when we, we feel deadened or we feel um, afraid or, so, or bitter or angry, what happens to us is we tend to miss that. And so we, what we do is, and what we, we it's, a, it's a weird thing, I, I would think that we would rather focus on that which was pure, just, lovely, excellent, but what, what do we spend our time on? We spend our time, uh, an awful lot of our time, focused upon that which is uh, structured and made to outrage you, to embitter you, to make you angry or to make you afraid, or to make you greedy to make you dissatisfied, to make you discontent with the blessings that God has given to us. And so, so when, we, when we, we're just, what happens to us is we, be, we become captivated by that which does not bring us life. But what Paul wants to, 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 to see here is, is that this Jesus Christ is at work in the world, at work in the scriptures, at work in our hearts and our lives, and he is placing in front of our eyes and our hearts and our ears and our minds all the time these things that are true, these things that are pure, these things that are lovely, that remind us of him. Even, even in places where I, I have no idea whether the kind, the kind uh, server at Millie's restaurant yesterday, whether, whether she was, uh, is, is she a believer or not? But she witnessed to me that there's a God who is kind and gentle and patient and pure and excellent. But I'm afraid for many of us, here we are 13, 14 months into this, we are, we, we've, we are, it's hard, we're numbed, and we are in a, a hard place to see it. It's like we've been in this kind of dream-like state for so long now. It's hard for us to see and to hear and to be encouraged. It's hard for, our anxiety is so overwhelming that even when we see something that's good or we hear something that's wonderful or we are impressed by that, something that's pure and just, it's hard for us to believe it or to take it at face value that there's a God who loves us and who is at work in the world. It's almost like we're hallucinating in some ways, right? That the truth of the gospel is something else over here and this, we're in this fever dream. My, my daughter got her second shot this week and... Um, She's riding, she had to get it way out in Louisa. She's riding back home and she says, um, hey, um, where's the Tylenol in the house? <laughs> she calls me. I'm like, uh, well, it's, you know where it is. It's in this cabinet in the kitchen where mom keeps it. I said, go, go on in and get some because, you know, she doesn't have Tylenol in her house. Why would she do that when she can come and get it at my house? And so... Um, <laughs> I'm like, do you feel bad, sweetie? Do you need me to come get you? Are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. Not a big deal. I'm just going to get, I'm, I'm getting prepared because I know this is going to be bad. I'm already anxious about it. So I'm going to go ahead and start the Tylenol now. So she, she stops at her house, gets the Tylenol. 
The next morning, very early, she calls me. Dad, yes, dear, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just fine, drinking my coffee, getting ready to do my Chick-fil-A Bible study. And she's like, I woke up at 3 a.m. My bed was soaking wet. I, I was chattering. I was, I was burning up. I was freezing, and I was hallucinating. And I dreamed that you died in the church office, and that mom was there, and that she wouldn't let the EMT give you mouth-to-mouth -mouth because only she can do that for you. <laughs> yeah. And she, but because she's my daughter, she said, and then I thought about that, and I thought, wait, I'm the one who feels like they're dying. Why am I worried about dad? I'm like, sweetie, I'm just fine. I'm like, how are you? Oh, I feel better now. Everything's great. It's kind of like we've been, we get stuck in that, don't we? And so what happens to us is, is that when you, get the, when you live in the world that we've lived in for the last year or so, it becomes so difficult for us to, to lift our eyes, to see the work of Jesus to hear the gospel, to take it in, to believe it, to begin thinking upon that, to begin filling our minds and our hearts with that, so that then, as we look about us and we see models of people who are doing that, we can begin to behave in a certain way so that our anxiety begins to ebb away, and then what happens to us is we're able to actually do something in line with the gospel, and when we begin to think about the gospel, when we begin to think about the love and the grace of God, it begins to motivate us and move us to act in a certain way, and suddenly, suddenly, as Paul describes here, the God of peace manifests himself in our lives because we're not turned in on ourselves. We see Jesus, we hear him, we know his goodness and his grace. We become more captivated by that and those aspects of his character, and then that begins to change the way we live. Listen, you were made to be captivated. Don't allow yourself to be captivated by people who would manipulate you and use you. I know you were made to be captivated. That's how, that's how God made us. That, and, and, and to be captivated by the glory, to be captivated by the cross, to be captivated by the goodness of God is, a, is, is the thing that is the pathway to us to peace. Now, um, I know for many of you, uh, you hear these things, and, and as I said a couple of weeks ago where we talked about uh, peace, the, the uh, peace that passes understanding, what, what several of you said to me is that you were repenting of confusing peace with relief, and that it's so difficult to find peace with, when you don't have relief. Well, I'm about to do something here now that I've never done before in 36 years of, of preaching. I'm going to show you a four-minute video, okay, of a friend of mine who's had a powerful impact on me and on you, whether you know it or not, who's dying. Tim Keller, my friend, retired pastor in um, Manhattan, New York, is dying of pancreatic cancer. Doesn't, we don't know how much longer 
uh, he has to live. He did a, uh, he's written a book uh, lately, uh, recently, on, on the resurrection. And in, in light of that book, he wrote an article for Atlantic Magazine, you know, which is such a Christian magazine, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you know anything about the Atlantic. But anyway, he wrote an article last month about his hope as he struggles with the pandemic and his impending death uh, for the Atlantic that was uh, earth-shattering for a lot of people, uh, people who don't know anything about the Christian gospel at all. And so he was on a podcast this week with uh, Russell Moore, Dr. Russell Moore, who is the head of the Southern Baptist uh, Church's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Uh, it's a 36-minute video. I'm going to make you watch all of it. No, that's the, I'm gonna, the, the last question is worth it. Now, the reason why I did this, I could tell you what he said. But I think it's important for you to see a man who is facing his mortality and to hear what he's thinking about as he's doing that. So bear with me. Uh, um, I, 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 think, I think this, this will uh, encourage you. Uh, but uh, if, if you were going to give a word to, I mentioned a few minutes ago how surprised I was at all the 21, 22-year-olds who really resonated with, with the Atlantic article. If you had to give a word of advice to that 22-year-old Christian who's a little scared, a little nervous uh, about the future, and you said, here's one thing you should really concentrate on as you go forward, uh, what, what, would you, what would you advise? Hmm. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm all this entire podcast. I've sort of dodged all of your questions by saying case by case. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can quite do that on this one. Um, well, okay. Uh, let me just say something that Kathy and I have talked to each other about in the last year. If Jesus Christ was actually raised from the dead, if he really got up, walked out, was seen by hundreds of people, talked to them, if he was raised from the dead, then you know what? Everything's going to be all right. Mm. Whatever you're worried about right now, whatever you're afraid of, everything is actually going to be okay. Mm. Uh, because, because you got to remember, we're not just talking about resurrected people. Jesus Christ is, and this is where Christianity is unique, we're talking about a resurrected world, meaning other, uh, there's plenty of other religions that talk about a future afterlife, which is a non-material world. In other words, you get a consolation for the world we've lost. Mm -hmm. Christianity says it's not just your bodies are being resurrected, but the, the world is actually going to be a material world that's cleansed from all evil and suffering and, uh, and sin. And if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, then the whole world is going to be, in a sense, resurrected, mm. and everything is going to be okay. Mm. Everything. You don't even you don't know how. I don't know how, but it will be. So, uh, and you know what? Actually, it would, right now I couldn't possibly be convinced that Jesus was not raised from the mm. dead, either intellectually or existentially. So, whenever I'm, and by the way, but Kathy and I, listen, we cry. We had, we, we cried a lot last mm. night. Sometimes the reality of the shortness of what we have left here just overwhelms us. And we were just weeping together and, and crying. And then you say, if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, it is going to be okay. And then you can wipe your tears, but you don't stop mm -hmm. crying. Uh, 
it's like salt in the wound that keeps the wound from going bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that keeps the wound from getting infected. But it doesn't mean that until the end of, you know, until we actually meet Jesus Christ, we, we still have our wounds. So they aren't going to be mm-hmm. healed. But they'll be healed by his. So I think I still could, yeah, I would still go back to if Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and he was, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a good word on which to end. Uh, the book is called Hope in Times of Fear. What do you think? If Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, you're going to be okay. If you're going to be okay, you can begin to think about what's true and pure and lovely and just and excellent. And if you can think about that, then you can, in a tiny, tiny way, do something that's beautiful and true and pure and lovely and excellent. Is he raised from the dead? Amen. Let me pray. Lord, uh, thanks today for... This encouragement, we confess that we are so swept up and captivated by things that don't give life, that uh, seem entertaining and engaging, even outraging in the moment. And yet, Lord, uh, help us today to um, have our eyes opened, our ears opened uh, to uh, what's true and pure and lovely and excellent and just. Jesus, you are those things. You entered into a world that was broken by sin, and you have overcome. So I pray for those of us today who might uh, rather have relief than you, would you uh, speak truth to our hearts? For those who are hopeless today, would you fill them with the hope of you, Jesus, uh, the resurrected one? And would you help us to rest our hearts and lives uh, on that today? As we come to your table, Lord, help us to see the beauty of your people, the beauty of your sacrifice, uh, the beauty of the gospel. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.